بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم Assalamu alaikum Welcome to the Zaytuna College Ramadan podcast During this blessed month we invite you to join the faculty staff and guests of Zaytuna College as they reflect upon timeless reminders from the Quran and the Islamic tradition Today's episode is by Dr. Ali Atai, who teaches comparative religion and Quranic sciences at Zaytuna College. Who are the predecessors who fasted as we do now? How was fasting prescribed upon our spiritual ancestors? In this episode, Dr. Atai discusses the role of fasting in Jewish sacred history and the lessons we can take from that history today. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. In this short three-segment series, I will address the topic of fasting in sacred history, insha'Allah. By sacred history, I mean the history that is associated with major theological figures, prophets, saints, and sages, some of whom may have been insignificant in secular terms, yet significant in terms of scripture or divine revelation, while the secular historian is focused exclusively on what happened and why in the naturalistic or purely mechanistic earthly sense, the sacred historian explores questions of ultimate meaning and moral value. In other words, in addition to examining what happened and why, the sacred historian asked, what ought we learn from history? What is the ibra, the underlying trans-historical lesson that we should take away? For example, the Qur'an tells us that when Pharaoh claimed to be divine, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala seized him and punished him in both abodes. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لِعِبْرَةً لِمَنْ يَخْشَى Indeed, in that there is a lesson for those who fear God. There is a reason why the Moses-Pharaoh story is the most oft-repeated story in the Qur'an, the many lessons we draw from that story stay relevant in every age. The Qur'an tells us that the practice of fasting was prescribed upon us, the believing community of the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, as well as upon the believing communities of the great prophets of God who came before the advent of our Prophet, peace and blessings of God be upon all of them. Fasting was prescribed in order for you to be reverent, to be people of taqwa, people who fear God. As the Psalter famously wrote, The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. There are many occasions of fasting associated with the sacred history of the three Abrahamic religions, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Let's begin by examining the practice of fasting within the religion of Judaism. First of all, one will simply not understand the practices and beliefs of Judaism unless one has studied and understood the significance of certain seminal events in Jewish sacred history. Perhaps more than any other religion, Judaism is a religion bound to its history. It is a religion whose theology was dramatically affected by its history. The exodus, the end of the Davidic monarchy, the destruction of the first and second temples, the influence of Islam in the medieval period, even the Holocaust, 
All of these were major events in Jewish history that led to significant theological meditation and revision. With respect to fasting, the fifth book of the Torah called Devarim or Deuteronomy tells us that Moses, Musa salam, fasted for 40 days and 40 nights in preparation for receiving the law of God. Moses is quoted as saying, Lechem lo akalti, umayim lo shaniti, neither bread did I eat, nor water did I drink. Therefore, in the Bible and within the greater Judeo-Christian tradition, the number 40 is often associated with a period of training or preparation for some sort of major historical event. In Genesis, the flood ended after 40 days and 40 nights. In 1 Samuel, Goliath challenged the Israelites to fight for 40 days before David, Dawud defeated him. The Tanakh or Hebrew Bible also speaks of fasting as a form of penance. That is, sometimes people would fast as a form of voluntary self-mortification in hopes of being forgiven by God for their sins. In other words, fasting was a way of making teshuva or toba. We see this occurring in Jonah chapter 3, when God commanded Jonah to return to Nineveh, the people believed and... They proclaimed a fast as a form of penance. The Hebrew scriptures also mention that people would fast as a way of asking God to avert from them a calamity. In 2 Samuel, we see that David fasted for his son who was ill. However, his son died. The lesson here, according to biblical exegetes, is that fasting accompanies a request of God, not a demand. No one is in any position to make demands of God. In this case, the purpose of fasting is really to prepare you for God's will, whatever that may be. Fasting puts you in the right state of mind in order to deal gracefully with possible death, privation, and disaster. Finally, the Tanakh also references fasting as being an expression of mourning. In the book of 1 Samuel, the author tells us that when King Saul died, Yatsumu shivat yamim, the people fasted for seven days. Modern Judaism has three divisions, Orthodox, Conservative, and Reform. Notwithstanding some basic points of difference between these groups, we can say generally that there are six days of the Jewish calendar during which practicing Jews will fast. Two of these are considered major fast days, and four are considered minor fast days. A major fast begins at dusk and ends at nightfall on the following day. That's a 25-hour fast. A minor fast begins at dawn and ends at dusk, just like a Muslim fast. One of the major and three of the minor fast days are directly related to the destruction of the Holy Temple. According to Jewish sacred history, around 1000 before the Common Era, King Solomon, the Prophet Suleiman built the first temple known in Hebrew as the Beit HaMiqdash or Beitul Maqdis, the House of Holiness, in Yerushalayim, Jerusalem, the City of Peace, a city that Solomon's father, David, had previously taken in a conquest from a Canaanite tribe called the Jebusites. At that point, Jerusalem also became known as Ir David HaMelech, the city of King David. 
The concept of the temple, however, went back to the days of the prophet Moses, peace be upon him. In the book of Exodus, the ancient Israelites were given very specific instructions as to how to build the tabernacle or mishkan. The tabernacle was a 50 by 100 cubit portable wilderness shrine, a huge tent on wheels, essentially, where Moses would go speak with God. The tabernacle also contained an altar called the Misbah HaOla, where animals were sacrificed. The innermost sanctuary of the tabernacle, called the Holy of Holies, or Qadosh HaQadashim, housed the most sacred of all relics, the Aron Birit, the Ark of the Covenant. The tabernacle prefigured the Temple of Jerusalem. Now, once a year, on the 10th of the Hebrew month of Tishrei, the high priest of the tabernacle and then temple, the first of whom was Aaron or Harun salam, would perform various sacrificial rituals for the sake of the atonement of the children of Israel. The high priest would then enter the Holy of Holies and call upon God's most exalted name, represented by the Tetragrammaton, or four Hebrew letters, yod Hey vav Hey, and beseech God to forgive the sins of the entire community of Am Yisrael. This day, called the Day of Atonement, or Yom Kippur, is considered the holiest day in all of Judaism. It is also the first major fast day. According to a statement attributed to David in Psalm 35, the overarching purpose of fasting is to discipline and subdue the self before God. David wrote, Inneti batsom nafshi, I have humbled myself through fasting. According to Jewish sacred law called halakha, five things are prohibited during the fast of Yom Kippur. Eating and drinking, obviously, but also bathing, anointing oneself with oil, wearing leather, and marital relations. During the entire day, Jews engage in teshuva, or repentance, and recite special prayers and supplications. Interestingly, devout Jews will pray five times on Yom Kippur, as opposed to only three times on Sundays through Fridays, and four times on the Shabbat, or Sabbath. During the services, Jews will recite Exodus 34, 6, and 7. These iconic verses contain what are known as the Shilosh Esrei Midot HaRachamim, the 13 attributes of God's mercy. The context is the following. When Moses was fasting on Har Sinai and receiving Torah Adonai, God's law, his people took to worshiping the Egel or golden calf. This is called the great apostasy. Moses, wanting to save his people from God's wrath, called upon God by mentioning 13 attributes related to God's divine mercy. These included Rahum, the merciful, Chanun, the gracious, Erik Apayim, the long-suffering, Rav Chesed, the abundant in kindness, Nose Avon, the forgiver of iniquity, Nose Fesha, the forgiver of transgression, and Nose Chatta'a, the forgiver of sin and error. The five prohibitions of Yom Kippur also apply to the other major fast day, called Tisha B'Av, the ninth of the Hebrew month of Av. 
In 586 before the Common Era, the Babylonians under King Nebuchadnezzar invaded the southern kingdom of Judah and Palestine, destroyed the Beit HaMikdash, and took many of the Israelites captive, including Zedekiah, the last Davidic king of Judah. The date was the 9th of Av, Tisha B'Av. According to several celebrated Muslim exegetes, including Imam At-Tabari and Imam Suyuti, this very invasion was described in the Quran as an utter laying to waste. When the Persian king Cyrus, son of Cambyses, defeated the Babylonians in 538 before the Common Era, he allowed the Jews to return to Palestine and rebuild their temple. And that is exactly what they did. Almost 600 years later, this second temple was again destroyed, but this time by the Romans under General Titus. The year was 70 of the Common Era. The date was the 9th of Av, Tisha B'Av, once again. In addition to fasting during this day of mourning, Jews even refrained from laughing and idle conversation. The lights of Jewish homes and synagogues are usually dimmed, and during evening services, selections from the Book of Lamentations are read, a book believed to have been authored by the so-called weeping prophet Jeremiah following the destruction of the first temple. Despite the various tragic events associated with this date, traditional Jewish authorities also teach that Tisha B'Av will be the birthday of the coming Mishiach ben David, or Davidic Messiah, the one that God will send to restore David's throne. Unlike Muslims and Christians, Jews do not believe that Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Mary, Isa ibn Maryam was the Messiah. For them, the Messiah is yet to come. Of the remaining four minor fast days, three of them are also associated with the temple's destruction. These are the 10th of Tevet, marking the beginning of Nebuchadnezzar's siege of Jerusalem. The 3rd of Tishrei, called the Fast of Gedaliah, marking the absolute end of Jewish rule over Jerusalem. And the 13th of Tammuz, marking the day upon which the Romans breached the city walls. The final minor fast day, called the Fast of Esther, takes place on the 13th of Adar, the day before the holiday known as Purim. Esther was the Jewish wife of the Persian king Xerxes, known as Khashayar Shah in Farsi. When Esther learned of Haman's intentions to wipe out the Jewish population of Persia, she proclaimed a fast, she then pleaded with her husband to save the Jews, and God turned the heart of Xerxes, and the Jews were saved from annihilation. So to recap, in ancient biblical times, we notice that people fasted for a variety of reasons. Number one, to train or prepare oneself for a great event. Number two, as a method of penance. Number three, as a form of mourning or lamentation. And number four, as a way of beseeching God's help during times of trouble in hopes of averting a calamity or facing a calamity with the proper attitude. The overall purpose of fasting, however, was to gain self-mastery, to attain self-control by disciplining the lower self and base desires, all for the sake of following God's mitzvot or commandments. In our next segment, we will look at fasting in the Christian tradition, inshallah, 
Until then, Godspeed. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Thank you for listening to the Zaytuna College Ramadan podcast. Help root Islamic scholarship in the soil of America by visiting zaytuna.edu forward slash support.